want you to go tell Southern Cal to bring a damn lunch because it's going to be a long ass day for us. Welcome, one, welcome all. It is Wednesday morning here in cold and windy South Bend, Indiana. It is freezing outside. I feel like I'm in the tundra. Oh, gosh. (coughs) Woo. All right. Not really sure what happened there, but hey, we're learning on the fly. Today's Wednesday edition of Tasty Waves and a Cool Buzz. This is the inaugural Wednesday edition of Tasty Waves and a Cool Buzz. We are going to react to last night's college football playoff rankings that were released, 7 p.m. Eastern. We're going to need to dissect this because, for the most part, I actually don't necessarily have a problem with the rankings. There are a couple things, though, that I'm looking at, and they just they don't sit right with me. They don't sit right with me. Um, there are teams and places that, in in my opinion, shouldn't be, and we're gonna go over that. As South Bend's objective voice of college football, we're we're going to we're going to give this committee a piece of our mind. And I'm not I'm not prepared to say I'm not gonna fly down to Dallas on Sunday and uh, and see if I can squeeze in a vote. But let's get moving. So the top ten. CFP participants from 1 to 10 in this order we have Georgia at 1, Michigan at 2, TCU at 3, USC at 4, Ohio State 5, Bama 6, the controversy that wasn't. Tennessee at 7, Penn State at 8, Clemson at 9, Kansas State at 10, Utah first team out at 11. So, what are the first things that I see? Well, initially, something that I'm actually pretty proud of is Pac-12 has nearly half the conference in the top 17. UCLA, Oregon, Oregon State, Washington, Utah, Southern Cal. That is impressive. The the Pac-12... Are they back? Seems like it. Seems like it. And looks great. Looks great for the uh, for the Pac-12. Now, I want to get into what I have a problem with. Because if anyone knows me, 
I am no stranger to telling you my opinion and where I think people have gotten things wrong. Where do I want to begin? Let's start here. Let's start at the bottom and work our way back up. Okay, let's let's start at the bottom and work our way back up. Um, Clemson at nine. What? I'm not... I don't get it. I don't get it. They've not been consistent this year. Um, I, I don't understand why they're, why they're at nine. Um, if you look at who they've played, okay, if you, if you look at their schedule this year, um, they played Furman and Louisiana Tech first and foremost. So if we're looking, I mean, at, at out-of-conference schedule, um, Furman and Louisiana Tech aren't really tipping the scales in their favor. And then they go through an ACC slate that is abysmal. Absolutely abysmal. They beat now unranked Wake Forest by six. They beat now unranked NC State by 10. They beat now unranked Syracuse by six. They beat ranked Florida State, who Florida State has quietly become a very good program this year. But they beat Florida State by six. They got boat raced by Notre Dame, and they just lost again to South Carolina at home, no less, to a South Carolina team who I think right now is sitting at eight and four. So they have two losses, both to eight and four football teams, and they haven't been particularly impressive throughout the year to begin with. Them at at nine is just an absolute travesty, although they are a ten and two team. And this is where we start to get into why the committee is a failed experiment. Um, because resume, in a sense, resume does have to matter. Okay? Resume does have to matter. But even, even when you look at a resume, not every win should be the same. Okay? So Clemson might be 10-2, and two, but they played Furman and Louisiana Tech. Whereas Utah, who is sitting as the first team out, at 11, their out-of-conference schedule is Southern Utah, which, granted, it's Southern Utah, but they put up 73 points on Southern Utah. Clemson, who had played Furman and Louisiana Tech, they put up 35 on Furman. So Utah more than doubled that against Southern Utah. And then Utah also played San Diego State. Now I know what you're going to say. San Diego State doesn't deserve to have a, f- a flag football team, okay? San Diego State doesn't deserve to have a flag football team. I get it, and you're probably right. Like, in all honesty, you're probably right. San Diego State might as well just dis- dissolve the football program at this point. They've not accomplished anything of value, um, you know, in a, in, a meaningful, in a meaningful amount of time. But I digress. This isn't about this is not a show about how bad San Diego State football is. However, Utah has nine wins, and I think they have a stronger out of conference schedule than Clemson. Okay, sorry, lost my train of thought there. They have a stronger out of out of conference schedule than Clemson. Um they've lost to ranked UCLA what was at the time supposed to be a good Florida team. And so 
and they've and they've lost to to Oregon in in close games, by the way. So although although not every loss is the same, and, and we're going to get to why not every loss is the same um, in a second here uh, when we look at why Bama is ranked where they're ranked and uh, why Tennessee is ranked where they ranked. But Utah being outside the top 10 and Clemson still being involved in the top 10, just it's, it's a travesty in my opinion. And it goes to show that the playoff committee still ranks Blue Bloods higher than new participants. And it's a shame. It really is a shame because Utah deserves to be in the top 10. Um, and again, this is where we talk about things like who would win on a neutral site. And I don't like leaning into that argument because this is college football. I said this on Monday. This is college football. On a neutral site, any team can beat any team for the most part. Okay? Any team can beat any team for the most part. Especially once you once you get into what would solidly be a top 15. I think most teams have a chance to beat most teams. At least, you know, at least a fighting chance. And so... On a neutral site, if we want to lean into that argument, on a neutral site, I, I do think Clemson loses to Utah. But again, resume has to matter. But even when we look at the resume, if you're playing teams like Furman and Louisiana Tech, do you really deserve to be in the top 10? If you're not undefeated, because we're going to get to Michigan's out-of-conference strength schedule and why that precluded them from being in the number one position, in my opinion. Um, but Utah, outside the top 10, don't like that. No love for the Pac-12 at least within the top 10. Okay, moving on. My next issue. And honestly, this is this is the one I have the biggest issue with. I mean, we're going to talk about Bama in a second, but I don't have as big of a problem with Bama as I do with, uh, with this ranking. Tennessee being ahead of Penn State. I mean, I don't understand it. Somebody has to try and make this make sense. So, sure. Did Penn State get, you know, the, the wrong end of a loss at home to Ohio State? Sure. But Ohio State's now ranked number five, and they only lost by 13. Okay, fine. And then you're going to tell me, okay, well, they also lost to Michigan in a not particularly close game. Okay, fine. They lost in a not particularly close game to Michigan. They lost by 24 points. Great. That was at Michigan, though. That was at the big house. Well, Tennessee also lost on the road by 25 points to South Carolina, who's ranked 20, by the way. So you have Tennessee, who loses to South Carolina by 25 points, and South Carolina's ranked 20th. Penn State loses to Michigan by 24 points, and Michigan's ranked number two. So right there, both of those games being away games for um, for Tennessee and Penn State, both of those being away games, great. That's a wash. And if anything, Penn State's loss is a little bit more, uh, can be stomached a little bit better because it's to a significantly better team and arguably the best team in college football in Michigan, okay? So then we have to look at the second loss. 
then we have to look at the second loss. Now, this is where I think the conversation kind of turns. So Tennessee lost by 14 to Georgia at Georgia. The issue is Penn State lost by 13 to Ohio State in Happy Valley. So is the committee saying that a two-possession loss on the road is easier to improve a resume or does more for a resume than losing by two scores at home? I mean, that's clearly what they're saying, but the, the problem for me is a two-possession game does not a blowout make. And so I'm not certain, even if it's at home, if you're losing to a team that's better than you, 13's not an unreasonable number to lose by. I mean, that's two touchdowns. It's actually less than two touchdowns. If you score two touchdowns and two extra points, you win the game. So I'm not, I just don't know what the committee is saying here. And I have to be wary about how I approach this because I would love to look at Tennessee right now and say, well, look, Tennessee doesn't even have Hendon Hooker, who's their best, who's their best player, right? And the issue is the, the committee is, is staying away from assigning a point value to Hendon Hooker. Vegas applied a point assignation to Hendon Hooker. Vegas had Tennessee by 14 this past weekend. Um, at Vanderbilt. Well, Tennessee won 56 to zero. So I'm not certain you can get away with the, well, they don't have Hendon Hooker argument because without Hendon Hooker, they still put up 56 points on Vanderbilt. Now, I know you're going to say Vanderbilt's five and seven. They're not even a 500 team. That's right. But putting up 56 on Vanderbilt is what a team like this of this caliber should do with or without Hendon Hooker. So Right now, I don't think you can point to even this last game on their resume and say, well, hey, you know, they played Vanderbilt. Yeah, Vanderbilt's trash, right? One step above San Diego State, but they still won 56 to zero. And so my issue is, despite the circumstances surrounding the losses themselves, Penn State has lost to the number two team and the number five team in the nation. Tennessee has lost to the number one team, granted, but also the number 20th team. And the 20th team blew them out of the water. And I think that is what we need to look at here. Sure, Penn State lost big to Michigan. But Michigan was significantly better and still is significantly better than them. South Carolina might not be a better team than Tennessee, and yet Tennessee got boat raced by South Carolina. So even if you want to talk about the point differentials in those games, at the end of the day, Penn State has not lost to a team that's worse than them on paper, but Tennessee has, and they lost in extreme fashion. That is my problem with Penn State being ranked behind Tennessee. I don't understand a blowout loss to a team that's worse than you. How that gets put in front of a blowout loss, in all fairness, to a team that's better than you. What is the committee saying? It just doesn't seem like there's a coherence in their decision making other than, well, Tennessee has been here all year and 
you know, they deserve to stay. I'm not, I'm not persuaded by that. I don't know where you move Tennessee, by the way. Do we just swap seven and eight? Maybe. And maybe that would appease me. But I just don't like the optics of Penn State being put behind Tennessee, given the fashions in which both of these teams have lost. Moving on. This short show today. Moving on. The controversy that wasn't. So Ohio State and Bama, five and six. Good. You know, I was I was very afraid that because Ohio State just got put on the wrong end of a Brooklyn beatdown at home from Michigan, that Bama would somehow jump them. But at least right now the committee is saying no, even though you have two close losses and both on the road, by the way. Um that still does not put you in front of a team that has a blowout loss at home. My issue with that is, well, you're holding that that metric, you're holding that metric against Penn State, but you're not holding it against Ohio State. So, so again, there's an incongruence in how the committee is looking at these teams. Now, I'm not here to advocate that Bama should be in front of Ohio State. Goodness me, I absolutely do not believe that. I don't think Alabama should even be in the conversation for the playoff. They've not done anything this year to deserve it. But there, the, the inconsistency between how these teams are ranked is becoming in, increasingly frustrating um, as a fan of college football. I, ju- I don't understand how Ohio State doesn't drop further than five considering the fashion in which they lost. Now, do I think they should be any lower than that? Personally, I do not think they should be lower than that. So I don't really know what I'm complaining about. However, it just seems like the committee isn't looking at these losses the same. And and that, that, I think, points to a larger problem and why this bothers me is the committee just skews in favor of these blue blood schools that they kind of get the benefit of the doubt. And I will say... That game probably, the game probably could have been a little bit closer with a better schematic from Ohio State for what it's worth. But Bama at six, despite having the same number of losses, and one of those losses being to the team that's ranked directly behind them, is why I think Penn State and why I had Penn State. If you listen on Monday, I had Penn State at number six, because I think if you have to put Penn State in front of Tennessee, well, then you definitely have to put Tennessee in front of Bama because Tennessee has beaten Bama. Was it a close game, and was it a field goal as time expired? Yes. Hey, a win's a win. And Bama hasn't done much this year that would lead me to believe, again, that they deserve to be in the conversation of the playoff. I think Bama realistically, based on a resume, not on who I think would win at the time. I mean, we could go crazy with those situations. But based on resume alone, I think Bama should be at 8. Penn State should be at 6. Tennessee, you know what? Stay at seven as long as Penn State's in front of you. But again, this just goes to show that the SEC bias is real. Now, the CFP commissioner, I think that's his that's his title, right? Is his is his title commissioner or um I don't I don't remember what his name or like what his uh what his title actually is. I think he's just the leader of the uh, CFP selection committee, but his name's Boo Corrigan. He's the NC State uh, athletic director. First of all, 
the NFL would never put someone in a position of power named Boo. That is such a painfully college football thing to do. Boo Corrigan. Um, it's not, yeah, it's it just, I don't know, something about that. Anyways, um, so Boo Corrigan is the leader, if you will, of the CFP selection committee. And he came out yesterday after the rankings got released and said that five and six, Ohio State and Bama, aren't necessarily locked in. And I hate that. Because the door is still open for Bama to make the playoff. Now, what would need to happen in order for Bama to make the playoff? I have no idea. I think, first and foremost, TCU has to get blown out by Kansas State. If TCU gets blown out by Kansas State, I think the committee says, well, we must have been wrong. They're out. I don't like that. I don't think that should be the case. But it appears that's where it's going. So Bama would first need TCU to get blown out. And then they would also need Southern Cal to lose. So if they get USC to lose and a TCU blowout, I think that opens up two spots. And USC with a loss is for sure out of the playoff. And then I think that spot goes to Ohio State. But if TCU gets blown out on Saturday, and that's the last thing that the committee sees before Selection Sunday, don't be surprised to see Bama at four. Don't be surprised to see Bama at four. And that is a horrendous thought. And I encourage everyone to believe or to pray to whatever system of belief you subscribe to. You pray long and hard that TCU wins this weekend or at least loses close. Because if Kansas State runs away with that game, Bama's back in. And I hate that. I hate that tremendously. The fact that they're even leaving that open is horrendous and just points to the SEC bias. Not to mention that the CFP is owned by ESPN and ESPN has um, broadcasting rights. And the SEC has some fantastic ratings numbers. Look, this sport is about making money. So... Don't tell me that these things don't factor into into their decision on Selection Sunday because they most definitely do. And the last thing I want to talk about is Georgia and Michigan. Now, I said on Monday that I think Michigan should be the number one team in college football. And I still believe that that's true, but I'm not upset with the ranking. And the reason I'm not upset with the ranking is because Michigan's out-of-conference schedule just isn't particularly strong. Okay, so if we look at the out-of-conference schedule for Georgia, now, because I, I, I do want to be very, very fair here to Michigan, but if we look at the out-of-conference schedule for, let's start with Michigan. Their first three games, Colorado State, Hawaii, and UConn. None of those teams are turning heads. What's interesting to me, though, is here's the scoreline for those games in order. 51-7, to 56-10, 59-0. So if you add up the aggregate score of those games, 
not that anyone can even do that math, by the way, but I think it's 166 to 17. 166 to 17 is how Michigan outscored their out-of-conference opponents. However, however poor they might be, they did what good teams do, and they ran up the score on a bad team. Georgia's out-of-conference schedule, Oregon, Samford, and Kent State. Oregon, Samford, and Kent State. My problem with this is, do I think on paper Georgia has the better out-of-conference schedule? Mm, not necessarily, because Samford and Kent State are pretty horrible. But the determinant is their game against Oregon and the fashion in which they beat Oregon. But to look at the game against Oregon devoid of any context, I think, is disingenuous because Oregon has a new coach, new uh, new coordinators, whole new program, and that was their first game of everyone playing together. That was never going to go well in what was basically a home game for Georgia. So we can call that a neutral site, but Georgia had an hour-and-a-half bus ride, whereas Oregon had a five-and-a-half-hour flight. So we can we can say that's a neutral site, but it's really not. And so when you look at the aggregate score from Georgia over their out-of-conference opponents, it's 49 points, 33 points, 39 points. What is that? 100 and nobody can even do that math. But it's not as many points as Michigan scored against their out-of-conference opponents. So again, despite the fact that both of these teams are playing an out-of-conference schedule that on paper is probably a little bit weak. At the end of the day, Georgia let Kent State put 22 points on them. Last week, Georgia struggled in the first half against Georgia Tech. Now, you can say that Michigan struggled in the first half against Ohio State, and in some ways that would be true. I don't think they struggled as much as it was just a fair matchup, but then they ran away from it. And guess what? That was the number five team in the nation. Georgia struggled in the first half against a team that's unranked in probably the worst Power Five conference, the ACC. And the team is not even at 500 on their record. And so, look, we can talk about what happened in the first four weeks of the season, but where you look at how these teams, if you look at their trajectory over the season, yes, resume has to matter, but I'm not... I'm not convinced that at this very moment, Michigan shouldn't be number one. And I don't think that Georgia has done anything necessarily to be removed from number one, but I think Michigan has done done enough to move to number one. And I think that's that's where a lot of people are get confused, where it's, sure, Georgia hasn't done anything... Um, to ruin the fact that they get the benefit of the doubt. However, I think at this point, Michigan has so far exceeded expectation that I don't know how you don't name them number one team in the country. Because with an identical schedule, I think Bama's ranked number one. Because up until up until last week, or excuse me, um, last night, Michigan 
wasn't getting the benefit of the doubt when they looked at Michigan versus Ohio State. But if Michigan was 11-0 going into that game, but their team name was Bama and they wore crimson jerseys, 100% they would have been ranked number one. So I'm not sure why Michigan wasn't getting the benefit of the doubt during the year. But it is what it is. Like I said, I'm not going to lose sleep over Georgia being ranked ahead of Michigan. I just think that Michigan has done enough now at this point to deserve the number one ranking. And so we'll see how this week's matchups play out. So conference championship weekend, very quickly, excuse me, very quickly, here's how the whole thing shakes down. The Pac-12, Utah's playing USC at uh, Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. If USC wins, they're definitely in the playoff, although they need, and they, and they need to avenge that win. They need to avenge that win. So that gets played this Friday, 8 p.m. Western. Big 12, TCU plays Kansas State. Kansas State, no slouch team. This might be the best team that TCU is going to play, I think, again all season. Okay. Um, I do love the way that the sort of round-robin schedule works out for the Big 12, where the Big 12 championships generally always a rematch. It's hard to beat a team twice. So best of luck to TCU, but Kansas State's going to be a formidable opponent. So I'm interested to see how that works out. This is Saturday at noon. The SEC is LSU versus Georgia. I mean, LSU just showed us they are who we thought they were. I wouldn't be surprised if LSU just pulls out something against Georgia because Georgia knows that they're in the playoff. But again, there's no grand conspiracy where coaches come into a locker room and say, hey, we're already in. By the way, don't try this week. Um, I expect Georgia to win and win comfortably. The Big Ten, Purdue versus Michigan. Barring some sort of catastrophe, I don't see how Michigan even loses the game. Um, but we'll see how, how that plays out this Saturday at Lucas Oil Stadium. And then the uh, Toilet Bowl. The ACC Championship versus Clemson and North Carolina in Charlotte. I wouldn't be surprised at this point if North Carolina wins. Um, both teams have kind of trended downward as the season has progressed. So I have zero interest in that game. It has no playoff implications whatsoever. And um, it's it's probably best for everyone that that game just gets over and done with. Neither of those teams even deserves to sniff the Orange Bowl. But one of those teams, the winner, will be going. So. Unfortunately, the the Clemson Tigers may still be in contention for the Orange Bowl after this weekend. It's a shame. I, I just don't think either of those teams deserves to be in a New Year's Six. The ACC has been phenomenally bad this year, and unfortunately it is what it is. Mountain West Championship. Fresno State versus Boise State. Absolute barn burner at Albertson Stadium in Boise. Can't wait for that. And we got some action. Toledo versus Ohio. That should be particularly interesting. Something I did want to point to just before, uh, before we log off here. This is an interesting statistic. The Sun Belt Conference, Coastal Carolina versus Troy, is the only conference in college football where both conference champion, uh, conference championship opponents do not have at least three losses. 
In every other conference championship, at least one team has three losses. The Sun Belt is the only te- is the only conference where both teams have less than three losses. It's fascinating. Is the Sun Belt a playoff contender next year? Absolutely not. But in the expanded playoff, where you get six conference champions, they very well could be. So, Coastal Carolina and Troy, good luck. That has been our special CFP rankings release reaction Wednesday on this hump day. Hope everyone has a fantastic end of their week and is prepared for some great college football this weekend. This is South. Memories are fading.